Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. Today's guest has been on my dream list since the early days of launching this podcast. She's unstoppable, witty, smart, fabulous, and in my eyes, one of the greatest inspirations in our country. Taria Pitt is a best-selling author, athlete, and mindset coach. In 2011, she was living her dream life as a mining engineer in the outback when she embarked on a personal challenge to complete a 100k ultramarathon. It was that marathon that changed her world forever. Caught in a bushfire, Taria got burns to 65% of her body. She lost seven fingers and over the following two years had over 200 medical procedures. Since that time, Taria Pitt has defied all the odds that have been placed on her and created a new life full of happiness and abundance. A mother to two beautiful boys and an incredibly generous soul, always giving back and supporting those in need. Taria's story not only leaves you speechless, but her positivity and fierce mind helps you place things into perspective and reminds you of the importance of gratitude, unconditional love, and nurturing our own mind. Here's Taria. Medibank is challenging us to think differently about our health. Medibank is the official health partner of the Smiling Mind app and has made this episode of The Healthy Hustlers possible. It's time to find your better with Medibank and Smiling Mind. Hello, Taria, and welcome to The Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? Hi, thanks so much for having me, Madeline. I'm good. Everything is going good in my world. Oh, that's so good to hear. Um, well, I'm fabulous today because I'm getting to talk to you. I, When this podcast started, I made a list of, I guess, like ballsy guests, like the real big names that I wanted to, to get on the show. And although I've had an incredible lineup of guests, um, you were one of my, my dream guests. So I'm very excited that I get to tick that off today. Um, so really appreciate your time. Yeah, no worries. It's my pleasure. So I guess I have been studying these chats this year by asking the question, what is a self-care practice that has really helped you lately feel, I guess, mentally or physically abundant, just given everything that is is going on in the world? Yeah, I guess for me, like if I do some kind of exercise every day, so whether that's you know, going for a walk if I've got my kids with me or going for a surf, if my partner can have the boys or like this morning I went to the gym. So if I do like some form of exercise for me, that makes me feel physically strong, but that also makes me feel emotionally strong and more emotionally resilient. I really think there's a really big, like our physical health has such a big influence on our emotional health and our mental health as well. But having said that, if it's a if I've had a really busy day and I haven't had any time to myself and my boys are being a bit crazy, then the time I have is when I put them in bed at night, I'll have a glass of red wine and I'll try and do some writing. And I also enjoy that too. So I don't know if that answers your questions, but I guess for me that's I guess that's what I do for self care. And I think, you know, it's really hard when you're a mum to try and prioritize yourself and to mm. try and make time for yourself because like part of being a mom is that you're inevitably going to feel guilty at, <laughs> at many many points along the way but I do know for me that if I do something for myself whether that's a surf or a run or the gym or writing then I am 
a better mom and a better partner because otherwise I find that if I'm just giving to my family, I can get a bit resentful and a bit chitty. Yeah. So that's, I guess that's my kind of self-care. Self-care looks different to everyone, doesn't it? And I know, know, personally becoming a mum at the end of last year, like self-care looks completely different. (laughs) You know, it is a lot of the time just that glass of wine on the couch to being like, oh my goodness, I did it. I got through another day (laughs) of madness. Exactly. Well, look, look, Madeline, you've got to take the wins when, when you can. Absolutely. I'm all about that. <laughs> so, um, But one thing I know is you're such a massive advocate for a good, healthy morning routine. I'd love to know what your morning routine looks like. Yeah, like I dedicated a whole chapter to starting your mornings right in my book on happiness because I really think it's such a perfect time of day to set aside and do things for yourself because I think when we wait to the end of the day, shit just happens, stuff comes up, our day gets moved around by other people's priorities and then, you know, that that gym class that we wanted to go to or that yoga practice that we wanted to do or that that healthy meal that we wanted to cook, a lot of the time it, it may not happen because of how our day has just panned out. So for me, I always think, Start your day doing the most important things first. And before I had kids, I would start my mornings doing some some writing. I, I love writing. But now because I've got kids, like my mornings is, is all about them. And I really try and make that a special time with my family and try and enjoy that time before, um, you know, my son is at preschool today and my baby is with my mum so I can do this interview. Oh, it's so nice. But if I had one tip for your morning, like it would be to not look at your phone first thing because then I think when you look at your phone, you're just sucked into a digital vortex of emails, calendar notifications, Instagram stories, and then all of a sudden that, that precious first moments in the day rather than thinking about what you want from your day you're suddenly thinking about everyone else and what they want from their day from you so I think that would just be my one tip if someone wanted to start a healthy morning routine or any kind of morning routine it would be to start it not looking at your phone yeah, I love that. And it's so important. And it's actually something I've only just injected into my life. I watched something recently that, you know, when it just sparks, a, it's like a message you need to hear. And it was about like how to seize the morning and, and start your day with gratitude. And, you know, the tip was obviously not using your phone. And oh, I'm just so bad at it. I'm so guilty of oh, it. Mate, and I, everyone is so. Yeah. And I feel like it's been one of the hardest habits for me to drop because it is, you automatically wake up and, oh, what's happening on social media or, or my emails or, and it is, it's this like vortex that you get sucked into. Yeah. Um, I mean, the biggest tip there though is like not to have your phone next to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. When people are like, oh, but my alarm is my phone. It's like, yeah, cool. Bye. Just buy a shit alarm clock. And I, like, because this is the thing, I think so often we rely on using our willpower to be able to do things like that. And then when we inevitably fail, like if we do pick up our phones or if we do eat something really unhealthy, then we'll be really down on ourselves. But rather than trying to use our willpower to resist that sort of stuff, the easiest thing is just to avoid it completely. It's like with your phone, not having it next to you in your room. Mm -hmm. Because then in the morning you wake up, you want to look at your phone, it's not there. 
Like that's the easiest thing to do. And like with eating something, trying to eat a better diet, you just like don't buy that sort of food at the shops because guaranteed if there's a packet of Tim Tams in your cupboard and you've had a hard day with your kids, you will be eating all of those Tim Tams. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. That's like one of my number one like health rules is just don't buy it and then you won't eat it because I have absolutely no willpower. They're, like if there is a packet no of chips does. in yeah. the cupboard, like it's getting demolished. No worries. Right. <laughs> if I buy a block of chocolate, I will eat it that night. Yeah. <laughs> like, because, and this is another thing. This is why our morning routine is so important because like especially if we've had a good night's sleep, our willpower tank is on full, right? But then every single subsequent decision we make throughout our day drains our willpower. And I guess, you know, at night when you open the fridge and you're like, what am I going to eat for dinner? And it takes you like seriously five minutes to think about what you're going to cook because you just have no no willpower, no decision-making power left in your tank. So I really advise people to start their mornings doing the hardest thing first or doing what it is that they don't want to do because that's when they can actually rely on their willpower, their finite amount of willpower to get it done. Yeah, I love that. It's such a beautiful approach, honestly. And it's just, it's totally inspired me to keep going with the the no phone in the morning because it does it. And it just leaves, I feel like it leaves it up to you to decide how you want to feel as well in those moments. Like, you know, if it's out for your morning walk or whatever, instead of being dictated by an email you just read or a news article you saw or something you saw on social media, you're actually the dictator of how you want to feel in that exact moment because you haven't had all of those outwards thing flooding your mind and, and interrupting you. Oh, for sure. Like an easy way for you to feel bad about yourself is to pick up your phone and either get some emails, which sometimes can have really great news in them, but often it's just like either annoying or stressful mm-hmm. or makes you a bit anxious about something, or you scroll on social media, which probably has the same effect as well. Absolutely. I, yeah, I really, I really love that tip. Yeah, no, I love that too. Thank you so much for sharing. I guess, you know, my audience has heard this time and time again, and we all know it, but 2020 has been quite a wild ride for all of us. I'd love to kind of know how your views or thoughts on the world and and I guess how we operate as humans has has changed over the the course of the year. Look, I think this year has been a massive lesson in being able to adapt, and I hate this word because everyone uses it so much (laughs) of it, and like People think that they're not open to change and people think that they're not adaptable and people think that they're not resilient. But this year has been a massive lesson for a lot of people in all of those things. And I really think humans, that's our nature. We are so adaptable. We have adapted to every single climate and every single environment on earth today. We live in cold regions. We live in warm regions. We live in desert regions. We live in rainforesty regions like we have seriously populated the whole entire globe and that's because we are so adaptable and we are so resilient and I I always think it'd be good if we could learn resilience just by listening to a podcast or uh, reading someone's book but I only I really think the only way we learn resilience is by going through the hard times which is Mm -hmm. what this year has been yeah and it's not necessary to be able to find the positive straight away and to be able to reframe things straight away and to be able to look at things with a really 
optimistic lens. I think sometimes it's there's real power in just acknowledging if this year has been really hard for you or for your listeners, just to say, yeah, it's been a shit year. That's fine. That's okay. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think the more we allow ourselves to feel how we are actually feeling and the more we accept and acknowledge all of our emotions, the faster they dissipate and the faster they, they wash over us as well. Yeah, absolutely. I guess speaking about resilience, I'll never forget sitting on the couch with my family, watching and hearing your story for the first time on 60 Minutes. And, you know, throughout that, you just showed so much resilience. In those earlier days after, you know, the fire, how did you achieve them? Like, how did you actually get through those early days? I didn't think about my recovery in its entirety because I couldn't even stand up by myself. So if you can't stand up by yourself, if you can't wipe your ass, if you can't bend your elbows, then you think, well, how the hell am I going to be able to walk again? How will I run again? How will I compete again? How will I go back to work? How will I have a family with my partner? How will I do all of these things and how will I get my life back, as much of it back as I want to? And so really what I did is I literally just took my journey or my recovery one day at a time. And if that was too hard for me, if that was too overwhelming for me, if that was too enormous for me, I'd say, okay, all you have to do is just get through the next hour. Like that's it. Don't think about the hour after that or the hour after that. Just focus on getting through this next hour. That's really how I've done my journey over the past 10 years or so is just by breaking it up into little steps and then just making sure I do them. And then, you know, in those days in hospital, the steps were really infinitesimal, things like, you know, walk a lap of the hallway or climb one side of the stairs. But I think if you're really consistent with whatever you're doing, whether you're trying to rehabilitate from a catastrophic injury or whether you're starting up your own podcast or whether you're writing a book, with whatever you're doing, if you approach it with that mindset of all I've got to do is take these steps today, I don't have to worry about the end goal or the end result so much. I've just got to focus on doing the best job I can do today in this moment. That really helps you to achieve the outcome that you're wanting to get. Yeah, makes it so much less overwhelming as well. Totally. Well, you know, in the start, the day of the Ironman, I had the Ironman was a, a really big triathlon that I was training for. And an Ironman is kind of like the epitome of in, endurance events. And it's a four kilometer swim, 180 kilometer bike ride, 42 kilometer run. So at the start of the day, if I had have thought about all of those things that I had to do, I would have felt really overwhelmed. I would have been like, no, nah, I actually don't want to do this day. Way too hectic for me. But instead, I just took it one little bit at a time. So then the student would say, okay, all you've got to do is get to the next boy, which was 500 metres. That's all you've got to do. On the bike, it would be just get to the next aid station, which were 10 kilometres apart. And on the run, I honestly took it one kilometre after one kilometre. And every time I did a kilometre, I would congratulate myself and I would say, yes, one kilometre down, one kilometre closer to finishing this race. In today's society, we probably don't ever congratulate ourselves for what we've achieved or what we've done you know so often we achieve something really awesome 
And instead of reflecting on it, savoring in that success, we go, cool, that's done. What's next now? And so I think, I think we really miss that, that crucial element of goal attainment. And that's the element of reflection and savoring and relishing and being proud of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the beautiful part about that reflecting on those things and being really proud is that we're able to revisit those moments in the harder times, like go back to those feelings and really try to re-embody them. I know that's been something really powerful for me is, yeah, making that time to reflect and to be proud of where you are right now instead of just constantly getting stuck in that vortex of striving for more and wanting more and and sometimes getting disappointed with where you're at. Yeah, I mean, like that's why – how I start my mornings is just practicing gratitude, thinking of three things that I'm really grateful for. Being grateful for your life as it is now doesn't mean that you are not also at the same time striving for some really big goals in your life because I think goals for sure are a really crucial part of happiness, working towards things that are important to us. But I think practicing gratitude in our lives, focusing on what we're grateful for, we are focusing on the positives mm. and that helps us to build a happier and more positive mindset. So, yeah. again, that's a really simple thing that anyone can do and it does improve how you feel about yourself and your own life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Gratitude is just such an important thing, isn't it? Something else I did want to touch on, though, from that interview many, many years ago was just the love and devotion that really shone through with you and Michael. You could just honestly see throughout that, that you guys were such an unbreakable team. And now like you are still together today with two beautiful children, businesses. How do you guys keep the spark alive? Sometimes, and I think the same can be said for any relationship. Sometimes you go through points in your relationship where you are exceptionally happy and other times I can get so shitty with Michael because he has put a pile of laundry in the washing machine and he didn't hang it out (laughs) or because he has um, I've hopped into his car and I can see the fuel light is on empty and I'm like great he hasn't put he hasn't put petrol in the car so I think I think it's fine to feel like that and to get temporarily annoyed at your at your spouse or at your significant other I think it's very normal very natural and part of life how we keep the spark alive I think we're really good at allowing each other to do what we want to do and I'm not saying like crazy things but if I want to be writing and I want to be working on this book that I've done Michael is very supportive of that and if Michael wants to be flying his helicopter and starting up his own business and I'm very supportive of that too. So we let we let each other do what it is that we want to do so that we don't end up resenting each other. So I think we're really supportive in that way. And how we yeah, how we keep the spark alive. Look, we try. Sometimes we have we're going out on a date night um tomorrow night. Oh I have sometimes they're really good and sometimes like we're both yawning going, oh my yeah. god. <laughs> Exhausted. Like we've got two young kids. We actually would just rather um, be right now. Totally. Yeah. I always think like no, nothing's perfect. No relationship is perfect. Mm. Um, But I'm very, very grateful to Michael because he's a humble, self-effacing human, and he has been 
such a support in my life. He really is my rock. We'll be right back after this healthy break. When it comes to health and well-being, do you ever ask yourself, what is better? 2020 has been quite the ride, full of new emotions and lots of new normals. I have challenged myself to find what is better every day, every situation and every moment in order to be a better me tomorrow. Better is everywhere, whether it's dancing to your favourite song or running a marathon. And that's why I'm thrilled to have teamed up with Medibank to invite you to find your better. Medibank is challenging us to think differently about our health and are a proud supporter of Smiling Mind, Australia's number one mindfulness app that inspires and empowers Australians to incorporate mindfulness practices and exercises into their daily lives to help every mind thrive. Now, more than ever, it is so important for us to nurture and protect our mental well-being. Through Medibank's partnership with Smiling Mind, you can receive tools and resources to support a happier, healthier mind. Find your better with Medibank and Smiling Mind. Search Medibank Smiling Mind or simply click the link in the show notes. There are so many ways to live better. Find yours today. I always love, I think in this day and age, especially seeing relationships where you really have grown and evolved together and having watched you on 60 Minutes all those years ago and and now seeing you both as parents and, and following your journey online, I just love seeing it so much. It honestly brings me so much happiness because I think in this day and age with you know, the way we are with, with apps and people feel or relationships can sometimes feel quite easily replaceable um, yeah. and we, we often constantly see people's highlight reels and have a bit of a whopped um, version of, of what a relationship actually takes and, and is you know, and I know personally, I've been with my now husband since I was 21 and we met in, I guess, out and about and all of that. And so we have been through some tough things together and some hard times. And I, it takes a lot of work to to keep that spark oh, alive and totally. to, to grow together. So totally. yeah, that's, I really wanted to touch on that because I, yeah, I just admire your relationship so much and I've, I've truly loved watching you guys grow together. Oh, thank you. Well, like, like you said, Madeline, like, Everything worthwhile takes work. Like for you with this podcast, that's work. For me with my book, that's that's work. Your relationships, if you value them and you and you want them to work, again, that's work, that's effort, that's time, that's commitment, that's energy. With your family, the same again. I guess I'm very cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. And I also get that if you just, you know, if you like if you were to replace your current partner with a new one, you would probably run into a similar situation or a similar problem yeah. down the line as well. I mean, yeah. that's – I'm not – you know, some people aren't in good relationships. And with my book and happiness, I found out that the biggest predictor of our happiness is actually our relationship with our spouse. So if you've got a healthy relationship with your partner, you're probably going to be happier. Yeah. Having said that, it is not always preferable to have a relationship with the spouse because if your relationship with your spouse isn't healthy and makes you unhappy, then you're better off being single. single. So there you go, fun fact for you. There you go. I love that. And I love in your book that you actually bring, you know, experts and research into the book and you kind of act a lot as a facilitator. Can you tell us a bit more about the book and, and where that decision came from? 
Yeah, so I wrote the book as a response to the question that I get asked a lot of the time, which is how am I so happy and like how do I have so much energy and, and motivation? And I guess I was really curious to see if, for one, if it is possible to become happier or if it is something just inherent in us. And if it is possible to become happier, what are the strategies, what are the steps that we can take to help us to become happier? I guess that was the catalyst for the book. Um, I started it off with gratitude because I think that's the easiest way or the quickest way for us to to notice a change in how we're feeling about ourselves and our lives. People always love quick fixes. Um, I'm exactly the same. I always want to know the magic secret or the quick fix. <laughs> but gratitude is is kind of like that, yeah, because you absolutely um, and you'll you'll straight away notice how much better you feel and how much more grateful you are mm-hmm. for your life. So, I, so that's why I started with gratitude. I interviewed some really awesome people, but my favorite person was probably Eddie Jacku. He wrote The Happiest Man on Earth. He's a Holocaust survivor. And I loved his interview because he was really simple but really profound and he had really simple messages like, you know, make time for your family make time for your friends, invest in your relationships, be grateful for your life that you've got now. And I think all of those messages are so timely now, especially in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it feels like it's more important than ever, isn't it? Totally. How did your upbringing, I guess in particular your parents' attitudes or teachings, values, influence the person you are today? Oh, I think massively. Like I think we're all in a way products of our environment and I had two super determined, dedicated individuals as parents and my childhood was, I'd say it was idyllic. We grew up on the coast. I grew up in a little community where everyone knew each other and my parents were great because they didn't They weren't overly concerned about what people thought of them. They lived life on their terms. They did what they wanted to do and they backed themselves and and carried it out. And I think as a young person growing up, watching these two role models in my life, I found that really inspiring and I found it to be a really great blueprint of of how we should all really live our lives. And I've really tried to embody those teachings in a way. Yeah, I love that so much. I guess how now as a mum, do you talk to your children, well, I guess more your more your toddler, in particular about emotions and expressing emotions? Yeah, that's funny, isn't it? Because toddlers have like, they can go from laughing hysterically <laughs> to crying hysterically. So they have like this really wide range in emotions and so what I'm doing is allowing him to express himself as like as we were, as I'm sure that sounds, but just, I don't know, if he's crying, just to understand that he's upset about something and giving him a cuddle. And if mm-hmm. he's laughing, also understanding why he's laughing as well. Um, but I can't say I've really delved or really tried to think about it that much as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I. I think about it a lot now with a young little lady. She's just turned 13 months today. And yeah, I often catch myself thinking about how 
you know, I will deal with it. How, how do I explain to her that it's important to feel sad and that, but it's, you know, how you can move through those emotions to feel happier. I think it's, you know, teaching kids that it's not a bad thing to to feel emotions um, is really important. I mean, that's a problem these days, yeah, because you go on social media and everyone seems to be energised and motivated and and Mm. living their best life and you understand that that's a highlights reel and, and so do I, but maybe some people may not. understand that it's a highlights reel and maybe they might feel bad if for some reason they wake up feeling tired or cranky or stressed and so again what I'm encouraging the reader to do in this book is to really tap into how they're feeling and if they're feeling angry or stressed or anxious or fearful to just accept that and acknowledge it Mm. and be like yeah cool I'm I'm feeling anxious I'm feeling fearful that's okay I don't think there's anything wrong with with feeling those types of emotions, like they're not as comfortable as feeling happy and excited and energised, but I think they're, they're necessary and they're valid for yeah. us as well. And I think the more we just tap into it and own it and accept it, again, the faster they dissipate. So true. I think just having that self-awareness, isn't it? Like you said, like recognising that they're there. Like I'm in Melbourne at the moment, so we're still in quite heavy lockdown and – the last couple of weeks, it just really started to take its toll on me mentally. I think I just, it just felt never ending to be completely honest. And I really felt like I couldn't shift outside of that negative yeah. mindset. And also that comparison game of, of looking at everyone who else, who was able to be out and about and doing things. And, you know, even after reminding myself of like, that's their highlight reel, they're still having bad days. I just, you know, I knew that that wasn't serving me. And so I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take some time off social media and, and just check out of this because I know right now it's not supporting my my mental well-being. I do want to talk to you a little bit though, because I feel like, you know, this year, and I do it, especially through this podcast and through my Instagram is, is really reminding people to focus on the positives and to practice gratitude and to put things into perspective. But as I've just said, then, like, it's not always the easiest thing, or sometimes it is a lot easier said than done. How do you personally navigate or move through those more negative emotions and feelings? The first thing I do, and this is like especially if I can afford to. So, for example, you know, sometimes I can't be sad or angry or stressed or anxious because if I'm doing an interview on a podcast, I want to be bringing my best self into it. I want to be bringing really good vibes. I don't want to go into the podcast interview in a really negative mindset. So for sure, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you you can't feel like that. But if I can afford to, I accept my emotions. I acknowledge them. I say, yeah, I'm feeling really resentful today. That's fine. It's just a feeling probably tomorrow will be better, hopefully. But having said that, again, there are things that we can control or we can influence that make ourselves feel better. So for sure, you got to accept your negative emotions if, if you feel negative or when you feel negative or when you feel down, but reminding yourself that there's still a lot of things that are in your control. So for example, exercise for me is a really great way for me to feel better about myself and feel more in control of my life. So if I'm exercising every day, Usually, I'll be feeling better and happier and more positive. Not always, but usually. The second thing I can control 
is the amount of media that I'm consuming. So sometimes we can, well, you, you, you said it yourself, Madeline, like, you know, if you're scrolling on social media, seeing people living their best lives or listening to the news and ending, ending up feeling really down and dejected about the state of the world, again, that's something you can control. So you can eliminate some of the media that you can consuming you can get off social media if you're finding that it's not very good for your mental health you can check out to that extent and the third thing is to try and change your focus so again practicing gratitude for your life as it is now that's a really great way to change your focus also thinking about how you could give back to other people whether that's doing something kind for someone else or being of service to your community like you are Madeline with your you know with your podcast and your Instagram and everything so there's lots of different ways that we can move through those negative emotions quicker or faster or deal with them better but when they do come up I think it is important to accept them and acknowledge them yeah absolutely i think um you know it's definitely Still a bit of a learning, isn't it, sometimes to really accept those emotions? I know firsthand, like I still sometimes struggle to feel that way or to feel down, but I think it's, yeah, it's so important. You you feel so good after a good cry or, you know, just letting yourself like, oh, really, really work, th- work through those emotions. But and I think you've had like bad news or, you know, like when you guys in Melbourne, when they announced that lockdown was going to be extended, like that's a bit of bad news. It is okay to cry. Yeah. It is okay to put on Netflix. It is okay to eat comfort food. Like it is mm-hmm. okay to just wear your pyjamas for three days in a row. Yeah. Like when you've got bad news or you're going through something hard, you don't need to be able to find the silver lining straight away or yeah. even at all. You can just say, yeah, it's shit. Anyone else who was in this situation would feel like shit as well. Yeah, it's so true. And just being that bit kinder to and gentler to yourself, it's just so important, isn't it? To, you know, exactly what you said then. Like if someone else was going through that, they'd think it's pretty shit. So it's okay to kind of feel that way as well. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's what I did in my recovery whenever I felt upset or down or hurt or sad. I'd say to myself, like any other person in the world, if they were doing what you were doing right now, Taria, would feel the same way. So it's not not like I'm just being a total downer. It's not like I was really hurt and other people wouldn't be. Like anyone who's in a hard situation, whatever that hard situation is, whether it's recovering from catastrophic injuries or being in Melbourne for extended lockdowns or going through something really hard in their life, they would feel down and sad and angry. I think that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. I would like to touch on where you get your creativity motivation from because I think, you know, you've got obviously got a booming career, you've got a young family, um, a relationship, all of those things. Like I know personally how hard that has been to juggle and navigate Um, and, you know, a lot of me is quite grateful that we actually got put into lockdown because I've been able to take a breath. How do you stay so creative and motivated and really not give in to that procrastination, I guess, when you've got so much else going on around you? I think it helps if you like what you do to, to start with. So I, I love writing. I loved writing the book that I wrote. I love getting to create cool things for other people. So I think that helps. But 
of course, I do procrastinate. I like to set myself little deadlines or have, you know, external accountability from other members in my team. I think that helps me as well. But again, life's busy for me, but, you know, it's it's everyone's life is busy. And especially if you're a parent of young kids like you are, like that is super busy. I think, to be honest, being a mum has made me more efficient and less prone to procrastination because before so I was a mum, you know, before I was a mum, I literally had all day to yeah. go for a run, which meant that it would actually take me ages to actually get out the door and run. You know, I had to have mm-hmm. the right playlist queued. I had to have my matching socks with the flamingos on them. I had to find my water bottle, like all of those <laughs> things. And now if I get an hour, I'm out the door. Like Totally. It's you know, so like, true. Yeah. I've got a sports bra on, I'm winning. You know what I mean? Like I went to the gym this morning and I forgot shit as well. You know, the main thing was that I was there. So I think for me being a mum has made me more more efficient Mm. and less prone to procrastination. Oh, I totally feel you. I remember years of just like, even the early days of working myself for myself, thinking like, am I ever going to stop being a procrastinator? And now I'm like, oh, all I needed to do was become a mum. And then it's like, okay, I've got these set time and I'm going to make the most of it. And you yeah. do, you completely, it's a different ball game. Like talking about the um, sports bra yesterday, even I was just like determined to get out for a walk with my daughter. That's like our little morning, healthy morning ritual. And the time was just escaping me and I was like literally still in my pajamas. So I just like threw a jumper on, put my coat on, put some leggings on and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm leaving the house without a bra on. Like that's where life is right now. But I'm like, hey, I'm out for my walk. That's the main thing. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so you just take what you can what you can at the time. Um, Tree, what does the future have in store for you? I had really big plans for this year. I was going to do a national book tour. I was supposed to be running a marathon in Tahiti. I was supposed to do supposed to be doing all of these um, really fun and crazy things. And you know, obviously, this year hasn't panned out like most people planned. So for me, I guess I'm grateful that I get to work for myself. I get to write. I get to be at home with my family and really savor this time with my young family in particular. Um, As for the future, I've got a really great running program coming out early next year for for mums who love running, which I can't wait for and I'm really excited by. And I don't know, we'll see if restrictions lift and, you know, I can go overseas and do some more adventure runs and stuff like that. But if not, I live in a really beautiful part of Australia and I'm really grateful to live where I live. Oh, I love that. That's so nice to hear. And it's so true. I feel like, you know, 2020 had this, almost this magical feel to it leading into it, didn't it? Everyone had these grand plans, either weddings or, you know, overseas holidays or big adventures. And I feel like everyone's still almost grieving the loss of those at times, but there's also these silver linings and and pockets of gratitude where we have been able to pivot and and show how adaptable we are as humans. So yeah, I think I think that's a really nice note to finish on. Thank you so much for your time. I could truly talk to you all day. You were just such an amazing inspiration and just so much wisdom. So thank you so much for sharing that with my audience today. And myself. No worries. Thanks so much for your time. I hope you have a beautiful day with you your too. daughter. Oh, thank you so much. It was wonderful chatting to you. See you, mate. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.